Hey everyone, Dr. Mike Reed from Chiropractic Masters. I want to welcome um, all the CAs to our CA Black Belt call and the doctors who are joining us uh, on this really important call on philosophy and the higher purpose for the CA. Now, I want to take this time with you tonight to really and truly empower each and every CA on this call to own chiropractic and to help you shift towards the pain, from the pain-based model more towards a wellness, truly subluxation-based model. And the reason why we're doing this is because there's this hunger, there's this need right now in the chiropractic world to really shift more towards that wellness-based movement. There is a movement going on, and I have never come across a doctor or a CA that wants to go more pain-based. And with the demise of insurance, with practices going more cash, more wellness, more subluxation-based, there's this need that needs to be filled. So I want to start with a premise. And the premise is really our operational platform. It's the construct from which we work from. So here's where I want to, first of all, preframe. Chiropractic is not about removing pain. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And I want you just to either listen and or take notes. But listen to where we're going with that, what I call limited scope of chiropractic, which is pain-based, more towards a wellness base. Chiropractic is also not about symptoms because a symptom is really the body's innate expressing pain um, or it's, you know, stimulation of what we call the pain fibers, nociceptors. Chiropractic is not about how you're feeling because you cannot judge your health on how you feel. You could have cancer right now. You could have heart disease. You could have a gallstone and yet you don't feel it. So judging our health by how we feel is a misnomer because that's not what health is. It's not about re reactive therapies. And what I mean by that is having a patient come in every time they throw out their back or they have a headache every six or 12 months and calling that chiropractic. And it's definitely not about massage or trigger point or laser or orthotics, all that ancillary stuff. What I want to talk about tonight is what chiropractic is. And chiropractic is really optimizing one's potential. I want you to write this, this, this one sentence down. And I got this from Dr. Guy Reekman. I have to give him credit. And it's their catalyzing statement that they have at Life University. And he says that their catalyzing statement is maximizing the expression of the potential within. Maximizing the expression of the potential within. And, man, I, I, I use that in my doctor's report because that one statement is so powerful and so profound that it really hits home with the patients. And you'll see they, they sort of cock their head and they go, yeah, maximizing my expression of the potential within. That makes sense. It really is about expressing the body's inborn intelligence. So, you know, I always come back to the dimmer switch analogy where we want to turn on the power that most people are walking around with a low dimmer switch and that everybody wants that dimmer switch at 100%. Chiropractic is also a lifestyle. Now, I'm going to come back to congruency and I'm going to challenge anyone who has a question at the end regarding the frequency of which you and I get adjusted. Now, the CAs on this call, I like to think that the CAs, if you're working hard and you're putting a lot of time in, if you're physically active, that you probably get adjusted at least once a week. Now, the doctors that I've pulled over the last 25 years, everybody gets adjusted at least once a week. I know I do, sometimes twice a week. So why isn't our, our patients should get adjusted at least once a week for life? So I want you to think about that. 
It's also about the spine and nervous system. The spine meaning structure and the nervous system meaning function. And if it's function and it's optimizing expression of that function, then that means we have to have something to measure it by. So I want you just to hold that construct. And I think you'll understand where I'm going through, going for. But there's really three principles I want you to get. And, and they're really simple principles. I don't want to get into the 33 principles tonight. Because for the most part, the 33 principles can be very confusing. So I really want to sort of part down just to three. And those three, the very first one, um, is the subluxation. And here's what I want you to understand is that the subluxation is really interference of the transmission of innate forces. And I'm, I'm going to come back to this in a second and so you understand that. Uh, and that's really principle number 12. You want to put a number beside it and go, go look at what, what that is. The subluxation, subluxation is interference of the, of the transmission of innate forces. Now, innate, which is that uh, the intelligence, innate intelligence, and I want you to think about this. The start off as a sperm and an egg, and those two cells had the intelligence to take in um, minerals and vitamins and water and, and oxygen and produce you, 80 trillion cells. And that intelligence still turns itself over. So every living thing has that intelligence whose function is to adapt to universal forces. Now, to understand the universal force, that is really everything outside of our bodies. Our hurricane is a universal force. Now, universal forces are usually destructive in nature. So stress, gravity, um, chemicals, anything outside of our body is a destructive force, and yet the innate forces inside our body know what normalcy is. They know what homeostasis is. They want to keep us healthy, and we adapt to universal forces. So I want you to think of a very simple challenge that most of your patients have, like fatigue. The average person coming in, the number one problem they have is fatigue. They're, they're, they're tired all day. They're crashing at 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. And yet when people start getting adjusted, the first thing they notice is they sleep better and they have more energy. Why is that? Because the body's innate forces inside are adapting to the universal forces, the stressors, the gravity, the chemicals on the outside. And if you can sort of understand that and, and that the innate intelligence forces – um, allow the body to coordinate and have better function uh, and stay away from that state of dis-ease, then that's what innate is. And the last thing that I want you to understand is the adjustment. Now, before I get to the adjustment, I want you to take um, a piece of paper, and I want you to draw, and this is, this is going to be huge for you, and I want you to draw a circle. And in the bottom center, about 10% of that diagram, I want you to just put, you know, a, a little circle inside the circle. So it's going to touch the bottom of the circle. So you have a small circle inside this large one. And then from the small circle, the top of that small circle, you're going to draw a line that goes straight up and it's going to touch the top of the bigger circle. So what you basically have, you're going to have two large halves. And those two large halves are 45%, 45%, and that little one at the bottom is 10%. Now that 10%, I want you to draw a little line indicating that that means pain. So symptoms or pain is only 10% of your nervous system. What you just drew was a cross-section of the nervous system. So if I take a nerve and I, I take a cross-section, I'm going to see 10% is for pain. 45% is for the autonomic nervous system. Now, that controls breathing, digestion, immunity, 
everything in your body that innately you don't have to think about. It's running on automatic, and it's supposed to be working in a normal state of homeostasis as long as there's no interference on that nervous system. Now, the other 45% is the motor function, and that is the volunteer. You can walk, talk, move, play sports. You have control over that. Now, how cool is that, that you have only control of 45% of your nervous system? 45% runs an automatic. You don't have control, and only 10% is for, for pain. So here's the question. If a person is out of pain, are they truly healthy? And that's obvious because the answer is no. So if the answer is no, then how come we use a lot of pain-based language? So here's what I want you to understand. The third component that I want you to understand is the chiropractic adjustment. Because here's what I do want you to understand. We're going to get into simple analogies like plaque on the teeth. I use this all the time. I use dental analogies all the time because my patients understand dentistry. And I asked them, I said, does plaque always build up in your teeth? They go, yeah. I said, you brush it, right, to minimize the breakdown of the plaque? Yeah. And you see a dentist every six months to make sure everything's clean and working properly, right? Yeah, that wellness checkup, yeah. And I said, well, chiropractic adjustment is the same thing. You see, your body is always in a breakdown process. That the subluxations from the stressors, the chemical, the emotional, the physical aspects every day will break down and affect that nervous system, and that leads to a state of not optimal function, but a state of malfunction. So it's like the dimmer switch coming down. And then the body no longer works in a state of ease or normalcy within its environment, but in a state of dis-ease. And all that simply means it's not adapting to its environment, hence fatigue. You ever notice when you get adjusted, your energy levels come up again? And the body's innate intelligence has the ability to say, hey, wait a second, we've got a problem, and I'm going to put out a symptom. And I'm going to suggest the symptom is a good thing. So when a patient says to me, I have a headache, I say, great. That means your body's innate intelligence is telling you something is wrong. And I want you to go back and get adjusted and get checked for subluxation so the doctor can adjust you. Because the step after symptoms is death. Now, the medical profession goes wrong because we cover the symptom with drugs or we remove the organ, and that is not health, and that's why the healthcare system is failing. Hence, why we need chiropractic to help repair the body, moving it back towards normal brain-body communication so we have optimal function and 100% expression of the body's intelligence. You see, chiropractic is really defined as 100% expression of the body's innate intelligence. That's what health is all about. Health is defined as 100% expression of the body's innate intelligence. So get a little dimmer switch going in your office and raise that dimmer switch to the top. That is 100% expression. That's when the body's working at 100%. It can break down like plaque on the teeth. What we do is minimize the devastating and detrimental effects of subluxation so we have proper nerve flow. Now, if you've got those three principles, that the subluxation interferes with transmission of inborn forces, that innate intelligence is the body's ability to adapt to universal or outside forces like stress and gravity and allow the body to coordinate um, and stay in a state of homeostasis, and the chiropractic adjustment is designed to minimize the breakdown and maximize the repair process, then you'll understand that that alone is a reason for chiropractic for life as you and I get adjusted. So here's where we go wrong, and here's where I'm trying to help the CAs shift their language 
and the mannerism within the practice in order to spin it more towards a wellness-based model. Now, I get it that we have insurance, and I get it that some states and some provinces and some doctors are really relying on insurance. But here's the good news. With deductibles so high that people can't reach it, it's really a great opportunity to go cash and tell a patient what they need versus what we think insurance is going to cover. So a lot of us get caught in that pain trap. And we sort of get caught in that because patients come in and they've been brought up in that sort of uh, medicine cabinet world where we all will say to each other, how are you? And the natural response is, I'm feeling fine. And the patient comes in, I hear it all the time in the practice that I'm working, and I hear, how are you? And I just, I cringe when I hear that. And, you know, I'm always on top of the CAs, and we're going to change that language. But here's what happens, is consciously, um, we, we pick it up. But on a subconscious level, the subconscious is really saying, why am I here? Because when you say fine on a subconscious level, the body is really telling the conscious level, subconsciously, I'm doing great. And this is why often, you know, chiropractic starts to see symptomatic results, that 10% of the nervous system, after the first, you know, 10, 12 adjustments. Hence the worldwide PVA, patient visit average 10 or 12. And doctors get frustrated, where do the people go, why are they not here, blah, blah, blah. And the list goes on and on and on. So what is it that we can do in order to, to really shift that, in order to really change that? Well, I want you to hear a lot of the language um, that people use, and I want you to write these down. Here's the sort of language that I use. When people say, um, how, how are you? I say, I'm doing great. I just got my adjustment. And they'll usually have a stunned look on their face, like, oh, maybe I should get my adjustment too. Or if I hear, how's your health? I'll say, my power's on. Now, I use strong, principle-based language because, because that's what people are really hungry for. Don't think that they're not because they are. They're sick of the medicine, the drug commercials, the side effects, the deaths. They know all about that. They want to get healthy. So the language that I tend to use is, hey, um, I, just, uh, I'm, I want you to get ready for your adjustment. Or, hey, let's get you face down to get the body out of gravity so we can get you checked for subluxations. So I use a lot of that language. Hey, let's get ready to get your power turned on. Or I'll ask them, uh, how's your progress coming with your care program? Oh, uh, it's doing good. How's the cervical traction coming along? Oh, it's doing, it's doing awesome. Um, I'll even ask them, what's new with your health since you've been adjusted? So often people will say, you know, how are you doing, Dr. Mike? I say, I'm doing great. You know, I've been in chiropractic care for 36 years. I'm doing pretty awesome. And I'll say, how's your health doing? Or how has your health improved since you began to adjust the last three months? Um, I'll even ask them, tell me about your lifestyle changes. Um, how's your energy? I'm just curious. How's your energy? That's a great way to start. I'm just curious. How's your energy? How's your sleep since you've been getting adjusted? Uh, do you notice less colds and flus? So I'll ask a lot of questions with regards to their lifestyle. Now, that's a great way when people come in. The first thing they're going to say to you is, hey, good morning. How are you? You say, I'm fine. That's a great segue into I just had my adjustment first thing this morning by the doctor. My power's on. Now it's your turn. So I want you to lean more towards the act of getting adjusted versus uh, the symptom or the feeling of how are you doing. The next thing that I, I do is I like to use a lot of Socratic questioning. Now, they've done research on this, and Socratic questioning is basically the ability to ask a question 
in order to lead the patient to the answer, which they'll give you, versus you making a statement um, just by simply asking the patient, they'll give you the answer, and they've discovered that people learn 300% quicker or they start to take ownership in their own health or in what they're saying a lot quicker than if you just gave them dialogue. So this is part of the educational process that we use. When people will say to me, you know, especially if I'm doing a progress or a comparative exam or something along those lines, um, I'll say to them, why do you think you're, you're feeling better? They'll say, you know, hey, Dr. Mike, I'm feeling better. I'll say, well, why do you think you're feeling better? Uh, I'm getting adjusted, and what's that doing? It's freeing up nerve interference, and when we have no nerve interference, what's that allowing the body's um, intelligence to do? I work at 100% like a dimmer switch? You got it. So kind of important to maintain that, isn't it? And they'll say yes. I'll ask them, what is the subluxation free spine so important? And why is that so important? I'll ask them Socratic questioning like, your scans are improving. Um, why do you think that is? So the key words that I'm going to come back to are the effect of the adjustment on the nervous system affecting the body's innate intelligence and the detrimental effects of the subluxation. And if you could follow that sort of just triad, you're going to see a huge difference in your patient's thinking. I don't want you to get into force and matter and energy. I mean, you can have special advanced workshops on that. But for the most part, you've got to keep it simple for patients, just innate intelligence, subluxation, and adjustment. Another thing I'll throw in there is, you know, um, how's your home-based traction come along? I'll ask them how they're doing with regards to sticking to their home-based exercises. Or if you give patients exercises, how are those exercises progressing for you? So get into creating a list. You could probably think of a 100 different um, you know, different lists, Socratic questions that pertain to their care and or wellness. And I want you to get together at your team meetings and try this and knock it out of the park. Now, I'm going to share something with you that's been really powerful. And this is something that we put in our procedures. It's sort of advanced, but I want to share it with you. I think if you did this, you're going to see a, a huge shift with your patients. Because one of the challenges that we see is in the day one, day two procedures is if we're too symptom-based, and we put a patient on care like three times a week, then often we see them drop out. Now, I'm big on care programs, and I use both structure and function. And if you consider symptoms disappearing after the first 10 or 12 adjustments for the CAs who understand that, hey, people do feel better, that beyond that, um, what you need is structure and function. So there's two things that I want to premise this with, and that is before you even start care with your patients. And number one is you need to have an office policy sheet that basically dictates this is your care program. If you miss an appointment, an adjustment, you have to make it up. Because the second point is now a visual for the patient, and that is a foundation for healing. So here's what I want you to do, CAs. If you get one tip out of this tonight, I want you to start using this. This is extremely powerful. You can put this on a whiteboard. You can draw to it for a patient when they uh, get an office policy sheet. But I want you to draw three squares. Uh, just three squares side by side, so three little blocks. And that would represent three times a week. And on top of that, you're going to put two blocks. So now you're building a pyramid. And those two blocks represent twice a week. And then you're going to build another block on top of that, the two blocks, and that is the third block, or one time a week. 
And what I do is I sort of draw the pyramid around that. I say, this is our foundation for healing, our pyramid of healing. And people go, ooh, a pyramid of healing. And I'll say, we, we start you off at three times a week because the adjustments hold for 24 to 48 hours. And then as the adjustments hold, we're going to graduate you to twice a week and then once a week. Now, what would happen if we pulled out a block out of the very bottom on that, that first row? And they look at it and they go, well, the pyramid would collapse. And I said, and that's what's going to happen if we don't maintain our frequency and recommendation program. So when that this all starts, and you, you see a lot of people not keeping their appointments and falling out, and it's coming back to that pain-based frustration, and you go, it's like they're not getting the big idea. They're not getting the big idea because we're not doing the things necessary to allow them to get the big idea. So when it comes to reactivations and recalls, always really start with office policy sheets and that pyramid foundation of healing because they'll get it. So um, just coming back to, you know, the uh, the recalls that we typically have, here's the standard recall. You know, how are you? We missed you. Doctor asked me to give you a call to see how you are. And the patient says, well, I'm fine. I'm doing great. I'll call you when I need you. So let's just change that more towards the benefit of their care, which is based on structure and function, structure of the spine, optimizing the spine and function, 100% expression, bias, innate intelligence, um, that we will usually go through uh, recalls like, I've noticed you're off your care program. You see, they have this concept of the pyramid, and we notice you're off your care program. Uh, it's important that we maintain that foundation of healing. So I always come back to the pyramid we drew day one. The doctor wants to quickly review your care program. Now, this is important, CAs. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you have a, a, a patient on a care program and your doctor um, is able to confront or at least be honest with that patient, I want you to get them in the habit of just quickly reviewing structure and function or your findings and the necessity to get back on the care program. Because if you can nip this in the bud right off the beginning of that first missed appointment, your patients are going to stick to it. And here's what I've discovered. The better patients are the ones that complete a program. It's sort of like, for lack of a better analogy, finishing all your medicine, but those that go through a complete care program start to see the lifestyle changes. And if you can look at subjective and objective changes with your patients, then guess what? They're going to want to stick to chiropractic for the rest of their lives. So your role, your goal is to constantly drip the education, constantly stay on top of them. And over time, they'll start to see the long-term benefits of chiropractic and they'll want it for life, just like you and I. Um, another great recall is the doctor asked me to call you to get you back on track with your care program. So that's the sort of language that we're going to use. Um, the other one is the body is continuously breaking down, um, you know, Mr. Smith, like plaque on your teeth. This is why you need um, your wellness-based adjustments. So if you're you're doing recalls, why would people want to come back in? You've got to come back to something they understand. Uh, our entire team gets adjusted once per week, as do the majority of our patients. And that's an inclusive agreement. So everybody else is doing it. You should, too. Our entire team gets adjusted once per week, as do the majority of our patients. And the last one, getting adjusted is like brushing your teeth. It minimizes the plaque. I've sort of already gone over that. But I think you get the idea. 
So here's my task to you, is I want you to go through and think of anything that's object-related, that's principle-based, that, um, you know, comes back to a wellness-based mentality, and, and all the words that you have that are pain-based, that are symptom-based, that you just want to park those in a piece of paper and, and bring it to the bonfire and burn it because we don't want to use that language anymore. So we're going to re-educate our patients on a regular basis with their tick. So a lot of the doctors in the days will ask me, well, hey, Dr. Mike, you know, what do you think is important for people getting a big idea? So I'm going to give you a list of 10 things. And here's what I want you to do. This is your checklist from this call. Really, really powerful because I look at the PVA of some of my clients worldwide and I look at the average chiropractor around the world and they're like, they're, they're doing 10, 10 adjustments with patient visit average. That means the average person is with you for 10 adjustments. Now, CAs on this call, doctors on this call, you would never, ever, ever allow your, your spouse or your kids to only get 10 adjustments in a lifetime. That's criminal. It really is. So how do we get them to get the big idea? Well, here's, here's what I recommend. Number one is you want to make sure that they, they go to the doctor's report. The doctor's report is an avicular to the most successful practices where you can inject them with the principle and change that medical paradigm that they've had for, you know, for the last 20, 30, 40 years. People come in, and you've heard it, but, 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 my pain, my pain, my pain. So you've got to shift it. You've got to shift it 180 degrees with the doctor's report. That's your day two after the exam, shift their paradigm. Uh, number two is you've got to do your progress comparative exams. Now, I've discovered every 12 is powerful because at the first 12, they're feeling better. So we need to shift that thinking to a biostructural checkup. At the 24th, you might introduce cervical tractioning. We're working on the structure. And if you don't do cervical tractioning, then you want to be looking at something that's objective. Maybe at the 36th, you're going to do some sort of compare exam, like scans and x-rays. So you want to goalpost your patients. And coming back to the principle on why we're getting structure and function back to normal, why we're optimizing this. Uh, number three is you've got to have daily handouts. What I mean by that is I'm a big advocate of of making it an experience. Every time your patients come in that front door, it's it's gotta be like cheers. Like they gotta feel like they're having an experience. So it's not just high by, you know, they got their adjustment. You say, why would I want to come back? You're not only gonna greet them, not only gonna educate them, but they're gonna walk out with a daily handout that is usually pro chiropractic on the benefits of chiropractic or maybe something that's detrimental like vaccines or drugs. Number four is you can only talk tick. And that's the doctors included. So if you catch your doctor that is, you know, getting into the, how's the back and how's the headache and how's that neuropathy and he, you hear that, just go back and give him a smack on the back of the head and say, that's from Dr. Mike and go back to the front. You have my permission to do so. But the other thing you can do is you take elastic when you catch yourself doing it and just invite your tongue and just pull the elastic out about, you know, three feet from a rear, your wrist, you put it around your wrist, pull it three feet like that and just kind of remind yourself, oh, I did it again. Ask them how they were. Uh, number uh, five is you need to get in the habit of doing care programs. Now, I'm going to share with you a little secret because we've been split testing this and watching this over the last you know number of years is that doctors around the world are killing it with uh, six-month programs and a default to two or three months. I believe that, you know, the minimum anyone should be under care is around 24 to 36 adjustments. That, to me, that's just the minimum to make a neurological impact and express the body's intelligence and to make some structural change. Beyond that, you know, I think six months is good. Um, 12 months is what I teach as well, but 
what's the minimum you're willing to work? And let's get beyond the 12, 12 visits, do at least 24 to 36. The care programs are going to allow them to get beyond pain and start seeing lifestyle changes, right? Um, number six is your office should scream wellness. If you have pain-based literature or pain-based signage or pain, 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 pain in your office, that's what you're going to attract. So have wellness base. What says wellness? Not only just the green plants and the fresh flowers and the smells and the, the positive music, but everything in your, your office, your literature, your tick, your talk, everything you use should be wellness. Number seven is start to go open concept. That closed room, you know, secular sort of dingy, dark, 15 minutes, I'm behind mentality is gone. Nobody's work, going building practices like that. Go open concept. When when you talk, tick, everybody hears it. I mean, make every day in your office like a kitchen party. I mean, that's powerful. Number eight, reward for wellness-based language and punish for pain-based language. We sort of talked about that, but make it a contest. The person who can talk wellness tick the most. Have fun with it. The one who's talking or gets most points for talking wellness or get your power turned on. Make make it a fun sort of approach in your practice. Number nine is go structure and function. If your doctor's on a substation x-ray, hey, that's structure and function. That is subluxation, subluxation decay, expression of the nervous system. That is chiropractic, and you need something to quantify it. So if you don't have it, then you're stuck in that pain-based model. And the last one is run educational workshops monthly. Here's what I'm a believer of, is that you've got to dip yourself and your doctor and your practice and your patients in ongoing wellness care. People get bombarded in TV and radio and commercials and the drugstores. There's, there's medication, there's vaccine. It's all around them. We've got to shift that paradigm. And the way to do this is keep, keep redipping. And that means you want to do workshops every month. We've got the Transform Power workshops. They're on my website. You go and purchase those. There's 14 workshops. You got one per month, two bonuses, 10 marketing tools. But that is a powerful technique to get your patients to improve their patient visit average, their PVA. And once they get the wellness-based idea, man, they're with you for life. And in that model, you know, let's go beyond the get-adjusted model and, and start to do the be to eat right think well uh, approach. So here's what I want the CAs to do. You've got um, an idea of, you know, um, the three principles you have to own. You're going you're to start changing your language. You're going to start changing some of the protocols that you have and start educating your patients more. You've got ten steps that you can take in order to shift the, the language and the wellness space. But I want you to take over your practice. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start your day with a powerful huddle. If your doctor's walking in and say, hey, come here, doctor, we're going to have a huddle for five or ten minutes. And I want you to set a wellness-based theme. Just try this for 30 days. You'll be amazed at the changes, the energy difference. But have a wellness-based theme that has a positive handout or has positive tips or promotion of something wellness-based, whether it's a new nutritional product or transform power workshop. Tie yourself into bonuses. The more that you can improve attraction of new ones, conversion onto care, um, retention, and upsell, create a bonus with that and, and have fun with it and, and just create a, even a small bonus. But I want you to propose it to your doctor and say, hey, doc, we're going to get this practice busier by going more wellness-based. I'm going to tie in a bonus. And that's just an incentive to take over and work hard. And number three is start doing more 
um, front desk wellness-based marketing. You know, if you believe that everybody should have a checkup, then make sure the entire family members get checked. Don't remove the, the blockages. If it's financial, give them a family gift certificate. If somebody's talking about a friend that's suffering needlessly, get them a health pass. You know, if, if you're going to have, you know, uh, a special month, then go for it. I'll, I'll share with you one last little tip just to show you how to just rock it in your practice. One of our clients on the East Coast, he did a bring a friend and family member month. So here's something you could do in September is he did complimentary exams for the month of September. Now you're thinking, oh, my gosh, we can't give away that new patient examination. But if you're really struggling at 10 or 15 or 20 new ones per month and you want to blow it wide open, he did a bring a friend and family member month. He had 72 new ones. Majority of them got under care, like 80%, 90% got under care. Now, do you think that's going to create a positive, you know, month end? Absolutely. Now, he gave every patient referred a complimentary adjustment. So I want you to be creative. I want you to see that the entire world needs chiropractic for a lifetime, for life, and for life, for expression of life. That's what chiropractic is. So everybody in your community, you've got to start thinking mentally that everybody's in your practice that the four walls that you have are stretched around your community, your city, they just don't know it yet. And you got to remove barriers to get everybody in, checked for subluxations, educated for subluxations, and then get some sort of objective care program where they're going to want to stay under chiropractic. Now, I've chatted for about 35 minutes, and what I want to do is we've got a ton of people on this call. Now, we have doctors from all over the world, and, you know, what I want to do is open up these calls for questions. So just keep in mind that we are recording this. And for those of you who are in a noisy room, just want to sort of keep it down a bit so we can all listen in. There's no such thing as a silly question. Any question goes. Just give me your name, where you practice, and then what's your question. So my lines are open. Who's my first CA and who has a question regarding uh, getting more principled and taking ownership in the practice? Anything goes, guys. I just have to mute somebody here. There's a lot of background noise. All right. What's, who's got the first question? A lot of CAs on the call and doctors. No such thing as a silly question. It's always the first one. It's the hardest. I get it. Hey, Dr. Mike. It's Landon from San Diego. Hey, Landon. Good to have you on. One of our newest Jetpack members. Yeah, I love it. Um, so I have a couple of questions. One is I want to go from two closed rooms. I have a pocket door. I, I go back and forth. And um, I want to get the T-bar. I think I just want to go open concept with an option of a private room. And I'm just getting comfortable with the idea myself so that when I do it, when I'm comfortable, everybody else is comfortable. But any advice on that would be great. Yeah, you know, if if you have a problem with it, so will they. And that's really one of the most important things you have to remember, Landon. The whole idea is that if, uh, and when I went open concept, I remember I didn't sleep the night before. And you're going to have a few raised eyebrows. You're going to have a few people going like, WTF is going on. But um, just act like it's normal and spin it as a benefit for the patients. 
So some of the benefits of going open concept include uh, educating on mass, reducing their time, um, you know, safer environment, uh, all the little things that you can think of. Uh, and the key is just to, you know, pre-frame your patients that you're making a change that the entire profession is doing. And that's, this is like, this is normal. And people go, well, I don't know if I like it. I just come back to, I come back right to my dental analogy. Have you been to your dentist lately? They work out of bays and they have their hygienists off to the side. So everyone's going open concept. Um, so just put a spin on it. Um, you're going to maybe lose one or two people in your practice, but I'll guarantee that it's going to create this massive vacuum that's going to allow you just to pop and grow. And, you know, case in point, one of our top clients just went open concept, stuck at about 120 a day, and now he's serving 190. So there's a benefit to you of going open concept. And believe me, it's a lot more fun. Your, your, your team is going to like it. The patients are going to love it. Um, and after the first two weeks, they, they grow accustomed to it. Okay, great. That's really good advice. My other quick question is about scheduling to goal. And you threw out some numbers, like if you want to see 400 a week, then you need 40 new ones. Can you talk more about scheduling to goal and how we can kind of, like, look into the future, if you will, on what our volume is going to be as we increase our new patient volume? Yeah, there's, if you go into um, the uh, resource toolkit, land and in the resource toolkit for those of you who are on jetpack with me in the resource toolkit there is something called the business audit and if you go in there and you download the business audit it's going to ask you a lot of questions on new patients conversions patient visit average things like that and it's from that business audit that you get a sense of what you really need to to change so the sort of golden rule if i want to see 500 per week i've got to start attracting roughly about 50 new patients now for new doctors starting out from scratch, it's usually a little bit more than that. For a seasoned veteran, maybe it's 15, 20, 25 years in practice, it might be a little less. But in general, you drop the zero, which you want to see per week is what you need to see in new patients per month. And there's a lot of sort of variables with that, but, you know, are my conversions um, from my, my day one exam to uh, care, is it is it good? Uh, is my patient visit average good too? If it's, you know, uh, at 10, then we need to shift it more towards a 40 plus. So there's a lot of variables that have to take into place. But here's the key. Day one examination, day two doctor's report, day three with a care plan. If you did a six month and a three month to start, you should be able to get 90, 95% of your patients on care. And then whatever care program you put them on, because you're going to default. If patients aren't committed to the first one, you give them a choice in the second one. And the key with this, Landon, is four adjustments prior to the end of their care. You must do a reassessment, like a reexamination, and introduce them to wellness care. And if you can introduce them to a wellness plan too, you're going to really close the back door and your PVA, your patient visit average, is going to balloon. And that is the formula. So that is the, the top formula that the majority of sort of wellness civilization-based coaches use around the world, and it's working. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate the question. All right, we have a lot of people on the call. I appreciate those of you who are being quiet in the background and listening. Uh, any call, any question goes, so who's my next caller? And Landon, if nobody has a question, you have another one, you can jump in, buddy. Okay. All right, any other questions, guys? What a quiet group tonight. <laughs> 
All right. I want to thank everyone for being on this call. Just keep in mind, for those of you who are Jetpack, lots of resources. We're always adding more videos. Uh, you'll start getting notices this week. But until our next call, next week I have a special master talk with Dr. Clayton Roach, who's going to be talking about retention. It's a special webinar uh, with his program called Adjusting Attitudes. He's going to show you how to create uh, the emotional pathways to success and how to avoid those so that you don't have objections from your patients prior to them having them. It's going to be an awesome call. You want to join us next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. Until then, guys, keep practicing with passion. Love and appreciate you. We'll see you on the next conference call.